0: The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams from the service Already in Progress. Now, that's a bolo. Be on the lookout for an uh, email or something to come your way to. To say that we're resuming our children and our youth services. And I think we're going to shoot for starting that in the month, restarting that in the month. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? That is good news. Amen. Let me share some other good news with you. Would you open your Bibles to the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 13? Now, Pastor Ron just alluded to the fact that I was talking about the resurrection last week. I was talking about where did he go. And in that message, I wanted you to know where Jesus went in terms of his spirit, his soul, and his body when he died on the cross. And when he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And when he rose again. Now here in Acts chapter thirteen, I find this very interesting because we talk a lot about the Apostle Paul. I love the Apostle Paul. I love the Apostle Paul, and if there's somebody I could ever meet one day in heaven beside Jesus, I want to meet Apostle Paul. Uh, Apostle Paul had just recently been been ordained, if you will, or separated unto the gospel as an apostle there in the church at Antioch. And he and Barnabas was sent out by the directive of the Holy Spirit. Now they're beginning to travel from place to place preaching the gospel. Well, they happened to come to a city, another city called Antioch, but it was called Antioch of Pisidia. Not Antioch in Syria, but Antioch of Pisidia. And they went into the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue, I should say, on the Sabbath day, and, and the leaders of the synagogue, the rulers of the synagogue, I guess when they were through with all their readings and all their worship, they wanted to know that they have anything to say. And that's, the, that's something you don't want to really ask a preacher. <laughs> Preachers always have something to say. And so I want to pick it up at verse 38. So when Paul got his chance to speak in this synagogue, and he's speaking to these religious-minded Jews, here's what he said, and I want to sum it up with Acts chapter 13, verse 38 and verse 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, speaking of Jesus, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. Now, let me, let me read that again because I, I really need you to get this today. I think some of you, you, you you've already wrapped your, your, your mind, your heart around this truth. But the truth is, you are forgiven. The truth is, you have been justified. No matter what no devil in hell tells you. So Paul said to those in the synagogue, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. This is why Jesus died. He died as a sin offering so that all of our sins would be forgiven. And by him, everyone who believes. Now, this is the operative word. Forgiveness means nothing if you don't believe it, you're forgiven. Justification means nothing if you don't believe you've been justified. But by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things. All things. Now, I know we we were all sinners before we came to Christ, but let's keep it 100. Some of us were worse sinners than others. And what Paul is preaching is that if you believe you've been justified, then you have been justified from all things. All things. See, some of you may not have been like me. I was a religious sinner. You may have been some kind of wicked and vile sinner, but the truth is we're all sinners the same. But Paul says, if you believe you've been justified, you believe you're justified from all things which could not be justified by the law. And the law had no ability to justify sin. The law could only cover sin, could only atone sin for one year. Can you imagine being thrown in jail for a crime? and someone comes along and bails you out and you leave jail, but you got to report one year after that, to face your guilt and shame all over again. That was the law of Moses for you. But you have been justified in a way that the law could never justify you. So what I want to talk about today, I want to make this real simple. I want to talk about the devil wants to steal your blessing. The devil wants to steal your blessing. Now, listen to me very carefully. Now, Jesus proved his messiahship with his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul preached that there were blessings and benefits derived from Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, two major blessings, two major blessings that are derived from Jesus' death and resurrection is the forgiveness of sins and justification, huh? Now, the law of Moses, with all his different blood sacrifices, you know, the burnt offering, uh, the sin offering, the trespass offering, with all those different blood sacrifices, They could not take away sin. They just couldn't take away your sin. And so if you're still living under the law law of Moses, you're still living with your sin. The law could not take away your sin. But I like what the writer of Hebrews said. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14, he says, "For By one offering, that is by one sin offering, and that's the offering Jesus made for every one of us on the cross. For by one offering, he has perfected forever, forever, those that are being sanctified. If you're being sanctified, you say amen. For by one offering, Jesus has perfected forever. How long is forever? Forever, them that are being sanctified. But the devil wants to steal your blessing because of that. Now, you've heard me say, once saved, always saved. As long as you decide you want to be saved. There's nothing you can do to change God's mind about you. Now, if you sin, you ought to repent. And if you don't repent, it doesn't mean you're not going to stand before God one day, but it does mean you're going to stand before God and you're going to be judged accordingly and you're going to lose your reward. But yet you'll be one who escaped into heaven as one who escaped by fire. I was talking to a person who's a senior. They're in their 80s. And they were telling me the secret to their longevity in life. They said to me, "Uh, you know, I've done some things in my life. I haven't always done the right thing. But when I sin, I, rem- I immediately repent I got myself right with God. And this is our responsibility. That's what repentance ought to mean to every one of us, to take responsibility for whatever our failure may have been. So there's no repentance because you felt felt bad. There's no repentance because you got emotional and you cried about it. There was no repentance under those circumstances. Repentance is taking responsibility. So this person said, I believe, that's why I've lived this long, not because I've been so good, because I've done some bad things, but I immediately repent, and I try to get myself right with God. You see, for by that one offering... By that one offering, I want you to think about this. You have been perfected forever, them that are being sanctified. If you think you committed such a horrendous, horrific sin that maybe God can't forgive you, I'm telling you, the devil's lying to you. Because what you're also saying, Jesus got to come back here to earth and down the cross for me again. You're saying his death on the cross was not sufficient. It was incomplete. He's not coming back here. This is why he says by that one offering, what he did on Calvary's cross on that one day, on that one Wednesday when he hung and died and shed his blood, he says, for that one sin offering, if you believe, you are forever perfected. Them that are being sanctified, that is those that have been set apart toward, towards God. But the devil wants to steal Your blessing. You know, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief, the thief cometh not but for to kill, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life, and that they might have life more abundantly. Jesus clearly says, The devil is a thief. The devil is a thief. But let me tell you what the devil doesn't want to steal from you. The devil doesn't want to steal your house. The devil do not want to steal your car. Don't get mad at me, but the devil do not even want to steal your money. He doesn't want to steal your marriage, your children, your family. He doesn't want to steal your job. That's not what the devil wants to steal. The devil, listen to me very carefully. He wants to steal your spiritual blessings like joy and peace. Huh? And if he can steal your belief in forgiveness, if he can steal your belief in your justification, then you can forget about joy and peace. No need to even talk about joy and peace. If you don't believe you're forgiven, if you don't believe you're justified, you can just say goodbye to your joy and peace. The devil wants to steal your spiritual blessing. This is why Paul said to the Ephesians, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, we always thought that the devil wanted to steal something material from us. So we put a lock and a key on it. We lock our houses. We lock our cars. We lock up our money. We hide it. But that's not what the devil wants to steal. He wants to steal your spiritual blessings. Amen? Now here's what Paul told the Ephesians Christians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says in him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of your grace. You have redemption through his blood. You see, it was the blood of Jesus that redeemed us. That was the purchase price to buy us back from the devil who had us in this world, who had deceived us. We have redemption through his blood. That was the purchase price. We have forgiveness of sin. We're not going to get it. We have it. We have it. So if you sin, all you got to do is say, Father, forgive me. John said, first John Chapter 1, he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why? You have redemption through his blood. You have the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. And his grace does much more. Do you hear what I'm saying? His grace always does much more. And so when you're forgiven, you walk in the light as He is in the light. Now you got to join your peace because you walk in the light as He is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another. Why? Because the blood that Jesus shed, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's the cleansing power of the blood. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness... Forgiveness of sin is granting you favor. I want you to think about that. It's granting you favor. It's giving you freedom. It's giving you a pardon of a debt. You owed a debt that you couldn't pay. Jesus paid that debt that he did not owe. If you owe a debt that you can't pay and somebody comes along and gives you a bailout and pay that debt, that's favor. Yes, it's true, favor isn't fair. Because you know the life you had lived. And you didn't pay for the life Jesus did. So forgiveness of sin is granting you favor. Every time God forgives us, he grants us favor. When Jesus died on the cross, God the Father was granting us favor. He was giving us freedom from sin. He was giving us freedom from the pardon of the debt of sin. This is why we, get, we feel joy and peace to know we are forgiven. So if the devil can steal that, if he can steal your belief that you're forgiven, then he's also stole your joy. And your peace. Oh, this joy I have. This joy I have, the world didn't give it to me. And I believe the songwriter says the world can't take it away. Don't let the devil take your joy away by making you think you're not forgiven. Huh? But we're also justified. What do you mean we're justified? We're justified just as if Here's the way they look at that word justified. Just as if I had never sinned. Now that's going to be challenging for some folks to wrap their minds around because you know you sin. But justification says, I want to treat you as if you had never sinned. Huh? Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. It says that he was offered up. For our offenses. That's why he hung on the cross. He was offered up for our offenses, but he was raised again for our justification. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, that was for the forgiveness of our sin. But he was raised again the third day, according to scripture, for our justification. What is justification? Justification is a vindication. You've been vindicated. It's a vindication. It is to render you righteous as if you had never sinned. Let me say it again. It is to render you righteous as if you had never sinned. Justify. Just as if I had never sinned. It's an expungement. You know, in the natural, we talk about the, 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 the criminal legal system. A person commits a crime, and maybe they're guilty of sin. They're arrested, thrown in jail. And somebody will come along, and they'll put up the bail for that person. And so that person is released from jail on bail. Is that right? But justification goes way beyond that. Now, here's justification, spiritually speaking. You were guilty of sin as a sinner. We all were. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were guilty of sin. And we were imprisoned in the jail cell of Satan. Jesus hung on the cross, shed his blood, and paid the price of our bail so that we could come out of that prison called Hades. We could come out of that prison. Now now that we're out of that prison, Jesus says, On the third day, I will raise myself again for your justification, for your expungement. What is an expungement? When your record is expunged, there is no public record that you ever committed the crime. When your record is expunged, there is no public record of that. It doesn't come up on the background check. You just can't find it. It doesn't exist. You've been expunged. And this is what the devil wants to steal from you. Yeah. I remember when I first got saved. You see, I've been, I, I, I need to wrap this up, I'll finish this next week. I, you know, I grew up in the church, in a religious setting, where, where our righteousness was based on our religious activities, more so, than, more so than based on the Word of God. But after I, you know, graduated from college and I, And and the guy who came, my best friend, witnessed to me, and and he broke it down to me, uh, you know, and and, and I saw the truth of the gospel for myself, I got saved. And, man, I knew I was saved. Notwithstanding all the baptisms I had growing up, notwithstanding all the, the churchiness and going to church every Sunday, over and above that, I knew I was saved. In fact, I felt so good when I got saved. I called my mother. Man, I couldn't sleep. I got saved on a Friday night. You know, instead of being out somewhere partying and being high, I was high on the Spirit. I couldn't sleep. I called my mother. I called my mother. It was about 3 in the morning. By the time I called her, I said, Mama, I got saved. She said, she said, boy, the Lord showed it to me. See, this parent's walking in the Spirit. She said, the Lord showed it to me. So after I got saved, I knew I was saved. But every now and then, in my prayer time, I would find myself envisioning Christ on the cross, asking God to forgive me again, just in case. Now, don't raise your hand. Some of y'all do that, too. You've been through that. You've asked God to save you, just, just in case. It, you know, it didn't, it didn't stick the first time. Huh? And see, what that really is, beloved, that's a sin consciousness. And it took me a while to break out of that sin consciousness because I, I, I kept repeating Romans 10, 9, and 10 in my prayer, confessing the Lord, you know, with my mouth, believing in my heart that God raised Him from the dead for me because I want to make sure. Then I, I got to a place where I began to get some teaching like I'm trying to impart to you now. What the devil wanted to steal from me was my sense of joy, my sense of peace, as long as he could keep me blinded about my forgiveness and my justification. This is what he wants to steal from you. So how does the devil steal? How does he steal? How does I'm going to finish this next week, but how does the devil steal? The devil steals two two ways, accusation and condemnation. That's how he steals. If he can accuse you of something and you believe the lie, he will steal every spiritual blessing God has given you. If he can condemn you, he can make you feel so unworthy of anything of God. The devil steals through accusation and condemnation. But we have to remember that we have overcome him by the word, by the blood of Jesus Christ, and by the word of our testimony. And what is that testimony? The blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the blood, I'm forgiven. Because of the blood, I'm justified. And we overcome him, and we love our our lives not until the death. In other words, we live our lives for Christ, and we're not afraid to die because we know that if we die, we're in good hands. Good hands. Truth be told, the devil really doesn't have any power. Other than your power, you relegate to him. Because you believe his lies, you believe his accusation. Peter says he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He says not, he says a roaring lion, a roaring lion. He didn't say a lion with any teeth. He said a roaring lion. So, so I call that an indentilis lion. In other words, he doesn't have any teeth. He's an indentalist lion. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And in his roar, he wants to roar so loud in your spirit, so loud in your soul that you're not forgiven, you're not justified. And then he completely destroys all your peace and your joy in Christ. But as Paul told the Romans, in Romans 4, verse 25, in verse, chapter 5, verse 1, that I, I forgot to quote, he says he was... He was offered for our offenses, and he was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith. Oh, my God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, I'm at peace. You can say what you want to say about me. I'm at peace. Huh? I'm at peace. Huh? I've been justified. I've been justified. A lot of people live with the mentality that if if you do certain things, you go certain places, and the rapture comes, you may not make it. Oh, no, 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 that's no peace at all. Huh? Listen, I can go where I want to go, and every place I want to go, I don't want to go because I, I know it doesn't please him. But even if I went, I'm at Peace. Because I've been justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pick this up next week and talk about the, the spirit of accusation and condemnation. But you are forgiven, beloved. And don't let the devil, don't let the devil lie to you about your forgiveness. Don't let him lie to you about your justification, because if he does, he's going to steal your joy and peace. And remember, it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Amen. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net, 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.